Islamic call to prayer on the streets of Kano in northern Nigeria, Arewa as the locals call it. But wait, there's another sound in the air as well. This is Hausa Hip-Hop Rock! Mahaburchi Mawadachi! You heard right, Hausa Hip-Hop, and that's not all. Ah yes, the sweetly auto-tuned sound of Nanai music originally created for Kano's local film industry called Kaniwood. Kaniwood films account for 30% of Nigeria's enormous film industry. Surprisingly, these films are not children of the better-known Nollywood films out of Nigeria's media capital, Lagos. In fact, the term Kaniwood came first, as far back as 1996. The inspiration here comes from India, that other wood, Bollywood. In these three sounds, you have the fascinating paradox of Kano, Islam, hip-hop, and Indian-inspired romantic film songs. Hello, Georges Collinet with you on Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. This edition, Hip Deep in Northern Nigeria. I tell you, we've got quite a lineup of guides to help tell the Kano story. Front and center, Professor Abdallah Uba Adamu, a true Renaissance man and an expert on Hausa culture, past and present. We sat with him for hours in his busy office open to the street with students, protégés, colleagues and admirers coming in and out. He juggled it all like a master. The house are extremely very conservative, religiously. So when foreign ideas start coming in, they absorb them based on their understanding of the relationship between the foreign ideas and their own ideas and how their own ideas fit in with what they do. So music or literature or film that fits in with their social reality are easily accepted. And that that does not fit in with their social reality is rejected. And that is why they like Indian films a lot because the Indian films seem to capture a social reality that is closer to their own social realities. Our other key guide to Kano is Carmen McCain, an assistant professor of English at Westman College in Santa Barbara, California. Carmen grew up in Nigeria and has spent years researching literary movements in the north, particularly in Kano. Kano is this ancient city that has been on old trade routes, also Hajj routes across West Africa. There are these famous walls around Kano city. They were laid as early as the 11th century and they continue to stand. It was a really important market city where people coming across the Sahara were bringing goods. Even in the early 1800s, when some of these European explorers came, there were umbrellas from Manchester in the Kano market. There were goods from all over the world in this old market. So it continues to be one of the most important economies of northern Nigeria and a market city. And that's why the film industry and the novels that were being written, Kano was so important to them because they were sold in the Kano market and then dispersed to other parts of northern Nigeria in Tunisia and other places. Professor Adamu mentioned the conservatism of the Hausa people, something that goes back in history. Carmen McCain read us lines from a 19th century Hausa poem by Nana Asmaou, daughter of the Islamic reform leader Usman Danfodio. 
The English translation is Prayer for Rain. Let us return to the path of the Sunnah and be redeemed, respecting each other, banding together as colleagues. Do not go where there is immoral drumming and chatter, for men and women mix together on these occasions. The beating of drums and jihad is permissible, and so is drumming when communal work is being done. But do not allow drumming at weddings to accompany wild dancing. Let us live in the remembrance of the hereafter. of contemporary Nanai music from one of the many artists we met in Kano, Suwidi Dairo. I'm Josh Coline with Hip Deep in Northern Nigeria on Afropop Worldwide. Major support for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities and the National Endowment for the Arts. Okay, we're going to trace the history of Kaniwood, the Kano film industry, with Professor Adamu. Now, this professor is one unusual guy. He grew up in conservative Kano society, but he was not constrained by it. Kids taunted him for attending a Western school. They told him he was going to hell directly. Now, that might bother some kids, but not this one. Luckily for me, my father was also educated. So because he was educated, I got inspiration from my father. So I don't care whatever people are saying. If it's good for my father, then it's good enough for me. So no, no psychological effect on me. Thanks to James Brown, because I was listening to him all the time. Oh boy, I bet the godfather of soul is having a chuckle over that up in the hereafter. But hey, back to Kennywood. It turns out long before Indian films came to northern Nigeria, drama was a feature of life in the Emir's Palace. In the Emir's Palace, there was a long drama tradition. The people in the palace normally dramatize events in front of the Emir as a way of telling him what is going on. It's like you can't come to the Emir and say, yo, you know, you know what's happening in your place, there is a problem here or something. You can't do that. So what they do is in the night they stage a drama. And it is through the drama that they communicate to him things that are happening, those are good, those are bad, and things like that, and then he takes notice. Well, under colonial rule, theater became literature, and the Hausa novel was born. The first Hausa novels were written as part of a British colonial writing contest because the British decided to make Hausa the language of the Nigerian military. So they started trying to teach in some of the new schools Hausa in Roman script, but they didn't have any materials because Hausa had been written for centuries beforehand, but had been written in Ajami. Novels, in turn, led to another innovation, drama clubs. The original drama clubs were initiated by our parents, you know, people who are much, much older than us, and they started out as a form of social education. But it was really the British who initiated the whole thing because the drama clubs were recorded, and then they were shown around at the beginning of the cinema thing. And initially they were very tame about farming, you know, about paying taxes. So when the younger generation in the, in the 60s and the 70s came up, schools were encouraging uh, people to set up drama clubs in order to demonstrate things that are happening in the society. Lebanese entrepreneurs had set up cinemas in Kano in the 1940s, but audiences found Egyptian films, well, too intellectual. The American ones, too foreign. 
But Indian films? They like what they see on the screen. The Indian men dress like Hausa men with the long flowing dresses. The Indian women had a sari, the wrap, which is similar to what we have. So that was an instant connect. Now compare that with an Arnold Schwarzenegger film. When people here don't watch Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's not because they hate Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's because they don't see any way they can connect to it, except for the younger elements who are much more westernized. But in the 60s, the whole focus is on cultural resonance. And the Indian films provide that perfect cultural resonance. One of the most important writers and actors in the industry is a founder of Kaniwood, Ado Ahmad Gidan Dabino. Dabino knew what sort of stories would touch Hausa people. One of his became a pioneering Kaniwood film in 1992, Inda Sodakauna. It's a clash between love and hate. I am a poor person. The other guy is a rich person. So there is a grandmom who she doesn't like poor person. She like rich man. She doesn't like the guy. So there are some families they drive to say you must marry that guy. So it starts from there. They are starting biting into the house. The baby, the grandmom love the guy who can give her something. <laughs> so people feeling that this is our life. This is what happened in Hausa society before. 1996, when I was produced the film, I started going to cinema houses. I was in Sokoto, Zampara, Kebbi, all northern Nigeria. By the time when we will show the film, you'll see massive people. Some people crying about the film. This touched me. This is my life. People, they want to see who is that guy who wrote the book or who participated as an actor. You understand me? The film that broke things wide open came in 1999. It was called Sangaya. My name is Shaibi Udris Lilisko, the Vice Chairman House Actors Guild of Nigeria. In 1996, we started to talk up how to mobilize people to create this industry, Carnivore. I was a choreographer of Sangaya, one of the hittest films in Africa. It was brilliantly choreographed. Nobody actually ever remembered the storyline, but the focus was on the choreography, the singing, and so on. We found an old scratched-up DVD of Sangaya in a Kano market. One of the feature songs sounds distinctly like the start of the music we now call Nanai. Nanae is a music that was created exclusively to be played in a film. That is why the girls sing in a playground. That is the chorus. That is the little girls. That's their chorus. It's actually derogatory if you look at it very carefully because it's not seen as an art form. Nanae is a word that is very common in Hausa language, but it is always associated with children's entertainment forms. It's all about female. All the love songs that are being sung is about a female. So Nanae becomes an apt description of that kind of music. Over time, Nanae has taken on a broader meaning. The term Nanae now comes to be applied to any song, whether made for film or not, in which male and female sing. Any song. 
so long it has two voices, male and female, then it becomes an anai. And nothing says that the two of them are related. I mean, they just meet in the studio and they read the song and then they record it and then they, they part that way, they're given their money by the producer. On Zoo Road in Kano, accompanied by our affable and well-connected guide, actor Mustafa Musti, we met a dozen or so Nanai artist producers. Musti explains how getting a song in a film can launch an independent musical career. They are not getting money from those Nanai songs. No, not at all. Nothing. They are getting money, but not the way you think. Each singer, when they sing the song, put in the movie, it's called attention of the public. You will be popular, you become a celebrity, so that anywhere you go, ah, this is, this is the guy. So those songs in the movie, they bring popularity to them. Here's producer, composer, and singer, Rabiou Dal, introducing his song, Salo. Salo, in Hausa language, means style. Style from the way you talk, style from the way you dress, style from the way you do your life. You can do style with your tongue. Believe me, had the Samari. Ashame Waka, then Sakoni. Waka Bay Wachi, Kalankuatari was Wagai. Nami del Kugani. Kalankuatari was Wagai. Well, now, one thing you surely have noticed about Nanai music is its heavy use of auto tune. For more on that, producer Benninger spent a few days in studios on Zoo Road exploring the art of Nanai production. The audience more likes the voice with auto-tune than a voice without auto-tune. It will help us to reduce some uh, harsh on the voice. In our Nanae songs, we can't do it without auto-tune. Any artist I'm singing for studio, we are just putting auto-tune for him. Always we are using it. Two Nanai producers, Ahmed M. Sadiq and Mustafa J.T., affirming the link between Nanai and Autotune. I kept asking about Autotune, and at first, Musti didn't know what I meant. Finally understood it was what producers do to a voice. That make it sweet. Ah, that makes it sweet. A producer who goes by the name Yaks, Y-A-K-S, told us how Autotune got started. No kachinda akafara, aikida Autotune. Anak. They started using the auto-tune since 1992-2000. So when the computer came in, they go back all to the auto-tune. And the person who started using the auto-tune is Ibrahim Danko. Ibrahim Danko was a pioneer of the Nanai sound and a mentor to many of these producers. We chanced on a session in the studio of Ahmad M. Sadiq. He told us that as a kid, he used to sing into the well while collecting water, and hearing his voice with echo made him want to be a producer. He learned on the job and learned well. In the studio, we watched a track come together in minutes. He was working with a political singer named Shatima. First, Shatima demonstrated his melody. 
Jahalkano muna bayan gwamna mulkinka mun ji dadi zo ka kuma Then Sadiq found that melody on his keyboard He worked in the rhythmic accompaniment added some more keyboards to fill out the sound even built in an instrumental solo section and then it was time for the singer to lay down his vocal which he did in pretty much a single take Maybe the most unusual Nanai producer-singer we met is Ali Jita. His name, Jita, is actually a twist on the word guitar. And unlike most Nanai artists, Ali actually performs with a live band, including two guitarists from Niger. Here's a track he shared with us in the studio. Another popular Nanai composer whose studio we visited is Hussein Danko. Hussein is describing the different ways Nanai composers work. Sometimes a producer brings a script and the composer creates a song from it. Other times, a director likes a song and buys it to include in his film. And that's what happened with Hussein Danko's breakthrough hit, Basaja. One way Nanai artists make money is by singing for politicians. Sadiq Zazabi has made a career this way, mostly singing for his godfather, a former minister in the capital, Abuja. He said the way he gets his money most is from politicians. For example, if the CD is 100 naira in the market, if I print it, I do the song, I take it to the person that I made the song to, he can give me 10,000. Hmm, nice work if you can get it. So that's the state of Nanai production today. Now let's go back, because Kennywood and Nanai have been through some challenging times in the 21st century. 
In 2000, Kano State officially adopted Sharia law, but Carmen McCain says that change was not as dramatic as it may sound. This was the law that had been in place until 1903, and the British had allowed certain parts of it to remain. So, for example, marriage law and other things. But the justice system set up by the British was corrupt, it was slow, there was a sense that it was a Christian kind of law. And so there was this desire among people to kind of reinstitute what they saw as a golden age and, and a justice that was swift and just. And so there was this kind of optimism around instituting of religious law. The Sharia law has always been there since about 13th century. It's not new, but it was reactivated in 1999 by politicians. That's why a lot of people see it as political Islam. But even with or without it, people live according to Sharia. Marriage was done according to Sharia, divorce according to Sharia, all other social forms of interactivity was according to Sharia. Um, but it became political in the sense that now they are suddenly saying that they are going to use Sharia as a form of uh, judgment in legal cases. As far as the creative industries were concerned, so long as you can conform to the traditional Muslim norms and values, then Sharia will have nothing to do with you. That might be true today, but not in the year 2000. Sharia law was instituted in Kano State in the year 2000, and filmmakers had actually supported it. But in December, there was a statement that came out from the government saying, quote, shooting, production, distribution, and showing of films in Kano State constitutes an incalculable damage and nuisance on the sacred teachings of the Sharia legal system. So they banned filmmaking in Kano. That was a real shock to the House of Film Industry, which by that time had thousands of people working in it. The crisis was averted with the formation of a censorship board. This board must approve or ask for changes in all films and music sold in Kano State. The board set out a set of strict rules. Number one, close dancing between a man and a woman is prohibited. A girl appearing in tight trousers or short skirt in the film, that's prohibited. A woman leaving her hair uncovered. Putting on tight clothes that reveal the body of a woman insulting or lack of respect for elders, insulting or demeaning another religion or culture, wow. using children... For the complete list of rules, check out the feature for this program on afropop.org. Meanwhile, the censorship board is going strong today. Benning paid a visit to the board's central office. My name is Ismail Muhammad Naaba, popularly known as Apakalla, the executive director of the State Censorship Board. This board was established 2002. We know Kano is a state of culture and religion. During that time, people, they wanted to preserve their norms and values. You know, because of some of traditions, they used to intervene into the, the entertainment industry. We have to get a board that will protect our norms and values. Afakala was not the only one to point out that every society has norms and values, and things get censored in Europe and America as well. It's worth noting that in his former life, Afakala was a film producer himself, and while he may inspire fear in the industry, he also commands respect. He's certainly vigilant on the norms and values front, but he's actually a fan of political art, particularly if it points out corruption and mismanagement. That is okay, because even you are helping the society to be good, that maybe if somebody come on board, they will not do as the first one they do. Afakala also touted the board's role in fighting media piracy, 
training 44 liaison officers to crack down on the practice. He's generally seen as a good guy, especially by comparison with his predecessor, who presided over another serious crisis in the entertainment industry back in 2007. and seven was when one of the film makers, Adam Zango, decided to release a, a music video, which he called Bahaushia, that's the house of girl. And he got a lot of dancing, and then the navel was shown, and he was arrested. He was locked up in jail for three months, but he was released before the three months were over. And when he was released, he ran away from Kano, and then he released a song in which he abused the governor of Kano for incarcerating him. And that's when rappers Hassan and his uh, colleague released a counter song. And so there were these uh, dis-wars between Adam Zango and uh, Hassan and his colleagues. So that 2007 actually marked the emergence of rap. We'll come back to rap. But the Hausa Girl scandal triggered a new Kennywood crisis between 2007 and 2011. The association of the sex scandal ended up painting the whole film industry in this light. So there were actually people throwing stones at filmmakers and attacking people that looked like this actress. So there was a real crisis in society that happened. So the effect of that was to shut down the whole house of film industry in Kano for pretty much the extent of the four-year crisis that ended with the end of that political regime. Carmen was out of the country when the crisis began, and she had quite a shock when she returned. You know, in 2006, all these filmmakers, like, being on the street corners, shooting singing and dancing sequences, there was this sense of freedom and fun. And by 2008, when I came back, it was dead in Kano. Nobody was shooting films in Kano anymore. They were going out of state, so they're going to Kaduna and Abuja and Joss and other places to shoot the films, and then they would bring them back into Kano to edit. So the, the marketers here bought it, bring it to Kano. They're hiding when they're selling it. They will look at you carefully before they sold that movie to you. If they sold the movie to the member of the censorship board, he will take the movie to the censorship board, show the director, so I, I found this movie. From there, they will send a police to arrest you. From there, they take you to court, yeah. jail you. That's why they call movie that shoot outside the state, cocaine. Do you have a cocaine? The film industry came back after the crisis, but today there are new challenges. At its height, Kennywood sold some 20 to 30 million copies of films each year. Wow! And women were the key audience. With VHS tapes and later DVDs, they could watch at home without the social awkwardness of a mixed-sex cinema. But these days, well, with piracy, downloading competitive television stations and the devaluation of the Naira, film sales are in the gutter and the industry is suffering. What's killing the industry is piracy. Despite all these things, we were amazed at the number of artists and music producers at work in Kano. Musti introduced us to one of them, the lovely Jamila Ahmad. <laughs> Gajmari, well, we said Gajmari in Hausa, meaning cloud. So when you look at the sky, you see the cloud 
arranged by God. It's beautiful. And the stars are shining. The talent that God gave to me, I'm not going to abandon it. Talent by God will not be abandoned. Jamila Ahmad with Gaji Mare. We asked Jamila what challenges she faced as a woman in an industry run by men. Eh, Gaskia, not in shower, Hala, industry, Kumanasa, Muk, Alu, Bele. She said she suffered a lot when she comes to the industry and the challenges that she faces is like in her neighborhood and in the family. There was a time she visited one auntie. She'd give her money, like a gift. And the auntie said that she's not going to collect the money because she sing the song for the people and paying her. That's not a clean money, so that she's not going to collect the money. More on Nanai and the summit of Hausa hip-hop artists coming up. Visit afropop.org for much more on Kano music, including a mixtape of our favorite tracks and live recordings. I'm Georges Collinet. And you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. We are hearing an old recording by the late Hausa praise singer, Dr. Maman Shata. In an earlier time, this would have been the most common music heard in Kano. But what about Hausa traditional music today? At the moment, there is a massive decline in Hausa traditional music. And the reason why there is such a decline in Hausa traditional music is because of the perception of the musician in Hausa society. Hausa musicians are basically seen as people who beg. So because of that, when the people die, there are no replacements. The other younger musicians don't want to do the same thing because you are always seen as a beggar, as a praise singer. So your prestige in the society is always low. But Professor Adamu did lead us to one fine exception, Nasiru Garba Supa. Nasiru's father was a widely respected musician. When he died in 1989, Nasiru inherited the art of singing praise and history songs and playing the fiddle known as kukuma. Afropop Worldwide recorded Nasiru's group at his home outside Kano. Here's a taste of that performance. Cause I'm caught, cause I'm in the 
Cyril Garba Supa and his ensemble playing live for Afropop Worldwide. You can hear more of this performance on our Northern Nigeria mixtape and on an upcoming Afropop Live program. Now, here's another remarkable Kano musician. Nazir M. Ahmad began his career as a rapper. Nagani yanzan zanzo cikin gada in tacha sarku kamar wata geda in ka tanka shine ka zammata moved on to traditional music and nanai ndo min shi ma yakan hani ga yummuna umar ce mumi kyakkyawa yana ce makon talakawa yawa aziga masu dagawa da addu'a yake komai we asked nazir why he made this unusual shift Mujahid Usman Aliu translates. The trigger was like a Menanae song then, was only I love you, you love me. Within the lyrics, there were no rebellion things that talk about you as a person, talking about I mean, your society. So he decided to go back and to emulate or to continue with the legacy of Dengkwero and Shata, who were among the, the best traditional singers. And of course, Dengkwero also sings about the Amias, the traditional rulers and everything. So in the platform he moved into other style, it allows him to give Nainai something different. I mean, he's the only person in the now brought back the old traditional songs and then brought it into this contemporary time and still doing it. Some of Nazir's tracks go very deep and last as long as 20 minutes. Mesmerizing stuff, I tell you. Nazir M. Ahmed, rapper turned roots artist. And now, here's another genre bending Kano maestro, Yakubu Adamu Abdullahi, otherwise known as Yaks. broke onto the scene in 2006 with a song called Shantou. The song and video depict a village dance with men and women present. But when the censorship board saw the video, they asked him to remove many shots, especially those showing the women shaking as they danced. And he knows if he removes such things, the video is no more interested. The viewers will not found it interested and automatically they killed the song. They killed the video. So he decided to take the album out of Kano 
because the Sun Social Board is Kano, only Kano State. So he decided to release the, the album in Kaduna State. And he wrote it on top of the CD jacket, not to be sold in Kano, in order for him to protect himself. Of course, that label boosted sales for the album. But on another song, Matata Orawi, Yakubu delivered a message no one could object to. Mata kunetaurari abompari gunkua. He do this song for women to play a moral life, not immorality. Even the boyfriend, you have to know he has the limit between you and him. Without marriage, he cannot even touch her. So the kind of dressing that they're supposed to wear, they should not move in around half naked. So everybody has his own culture around the world. Here we have our mode of dressings. So you call on attentions of women, enlighten them to behave morally. to turn our attention to the insurgent Hausa hip-hop movement. We met some of the pioneers of Kano hip-hop. Bilio, Nomis G, and Hassan Mohamed Sharif. Nomis G hosts the national hip-hop television program out of Kano these days, but he remembers his early struggle to gain acceptance in the world of Kaniwood. I will never forget that because they're saying that hip-hop is not going anywhere. Whenever they see me singing hip-hop music, they say, this guy, he don't know what he's doing. He don't know what, you know, is going to have his career. But now they're looking at hip-hop is taking over. You might be surprised to learn that Nigerian hip-hop started in the conservative north, not in Anything Goes Lagos. Everything started in Kano, not in Lagos. Everything started in Kano. By then, they are not even holding show in Lagos. In all those, you know, big concerts, it is holding in Kano. But later, Lagos take over because Lagos, there is promoter, you know, there is marketers, there is people who can involve their money into entertainment because they know they are going to get it back. Mujahid Usman Aliou concurs. Idris Abdul Karim, Isa Kronk, Terry Zarapman, uh, Mod9, they all started from the north. But Ahmad M. Sadiq points out that today, northern hip-hop artists are not getting the support they deserve. The problem is not from them, it's from the marketers. We like their songs very well, but the marketers, they don't like them. You know here in northern Nigeria, if marketer don't like you, you can't do anything. It's a marketing problem. And Professor Adamu, a serious fan of hip-hop, also sees a tough road ahead for the genre in Kano State. I wouldn't say it is in the process of getting accepted. I would still say that there are a lot of people who don't accept it up north here in Kano because they're always associated with American influences. Because the rough that we do here is gangster rap, you know, Tupac, Biggie Small kind of rap. My African sisters though. Okay, let go. This boy is absolutely crazy about Lil Wayne. I said, why would you? I mean, it's like the guy has tattoos all over, he has uh, braces in his teeth, he's just not the kind of role model. But they like their music. So it has become like a, an underground cult kind of thing. 
So how do they spray? WhatsApp, Bluetooth, that's how they do that. They just keep spraying it around themselves. And that is why they're true artists, because they're not doing it to make money. Of course, hip-hop artists must comply with Islamic norms and values. But what about political songs? Our man at the censor board says he's for them. And Nomis G told us he can address political issues, but carefully. The prof agrees. They do, some of them. But everybody is scared. I mean, when I say scared, I mean, you can't just simply come up and start saying the government is doing bad, the government is doing bad and all that. One of the songs that I really loved is called Change. That was released before the elections that brought the present government to power. It was blistering, really, really blistering attack on the previous government. Let's hear it. Change by Lil T. with a song about a woman who dresses loosely and hangs around with guys. MZ compares her to a colorful insect that is easy to catch so that children love to play with it. One day, they will play with you and you will end up with a baby on your back. <laughs> well, this isn't nanai romance, that's for sure. In fact, hip-hop pioneer turned radio host Hassan Mohamed Sharif says the Nanai world has not embraced the rappers. No, no, no. It's because they see us as threats. You know, one of the problems that most of the Nanai had is maybe it's lack of Western education. Because if you go to school, you be civilized, you know that this is my brother, How, why would I fight with this one? We are doing the same business, you understand? But because of the lack of education, most of them are illiterate, so that's why they see us as a threat. Six million ways to die, choose one. Hassan assembled some 20 hip-hop artists at Freedom Radio, a kind of Hausa hip-hop summit. Here's Banning Air. 
These artists gathered at night to tell their stories, express their opinions, rap and sing. It was a happening, hosted by our man Hassan Muhammad. All right, my name is Hassan Awal Muhammad, an ex-member of K-Boys. Yes, I was an ex-rapper. Yeah, all these are my boys. <laughs> oh no, they're all my boys because I'm the retired one, except one, one man here. Yeah, my flavor. Yeah. yeah, he's not my, he's not my boy. He's my, not he's the retired one. one, the exiled one. Oh, the exiled one. No, 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 like Dr. Maman Shata. I think for our predecessors, the late Maman Shata and the likes, there are a lot of them, they don't actually write their lyrics. They tend to freestyle. It's not written, it's when they go for maybe shows or whatever. I think they just recite it by heart because they're already used to it. Here's D-Guy with rapper and radio presenter Dr. Pure translating. By the way, Dr. Pure grew up in London and came back to Kano to become a force in house of hip hop. He brought his accent with him. So, Gaskia, Nidia Magan doesn't need a house, Niva Shiva. Gaskia, Nira, and also Baba Nuhala. Basically, what he's saying is, Hausa is his native tongue, and rapping in Hausa is one of the easiest things. It's like drinking water. That's how easy he finds it. So, you know, and rapping in Hausa is just like speaking. You know, it's not really much of a challenge to him, and it's not something that he even, you know, sees as a challenge. Rapper K. Arrows feels the same. This is Hausa music for Hausa people. My name is Brian Uba Abdullah K. Arrows. We're not basically getting any help from anywhere. We're helping ourselves. If you compare us to other industries in Nigeria and Africa and the world, you'll notice that basically we have no help at all. We're doing everything. We fund ourselves. Most of us, you know, work go to school, but still we um, find ways of raising money to go into the studio. He said, and out of all of the artists in Kano, and I think there's hundreds of us, there's only like five people that have actually published an album on a CD and have distributed it into the market. Adena, cheaters who cheat. Nothing in this world ever comes for free. So I suggest Kuyitanani, Kuyitanani, Kuyitanani. Adena, cheaters who cheat. Open your eyes and see so nakiitanani, kaitanani, kuitanani, kuitanani. I'm electrifying, yet satisfying, keep on trying, never denying, cause I cannot, have not, will not, lose the plot, what not, forgot, forget, regret, respect, what you do, give me time, let me brew, bring something new, remain one of a few, me and my crew, if I buy, I will chew, who said that I don't, what makes you think that I won't, do what I want, I'm a hunter, I hunt, I'm blunt, yeah, provide what you want, I know where you went, what in what you spent, the reason you're bent, I got a gun to ten, I will never relent, they keep on saying, they never knew what I meant or where the time went all was wasted they call me Dr. Pure cause I never hesitated I never hesitated Adena cheaters who cheat 
Dr. Pure on the mic. Another rapper and radio presenter, Mr. Bash, sees hip-hop as part of a continuum of local house and music, but one that doesn't get the respect it deserves. Hausa, like Hausa community, the northern part of the country, they have like different genre of music locally. We have the Nanae, which is songs from movies. We have um, Gambara, which is the old cultural music they do. We have old ladies doing music in Calabash. We have the Islamic Zikr, which is also another type of music. So the people here own their own type of music. Now, bringing house into hip-hop is like bringing something new. And it's obvious that people naturally don't like adjusting to change. We are the pioneers. We need more hands to like step up the speed. Why? Because so many of us are losing hope in the process. You're in Kano, born in Kano, a house native, but you prefer to sing in English. There was an artist I met um, a couple of months back in the studio. Uh, to be honest, he can't speak very well in English, but he was telling me that it's like an insult to rap in his own language. If this is who you are. You've got to be proud of who you are. Well, some of us are not proud of who we are. That's why we, we are not accepted by the fans. The fans want to hear you speak or sing in their language, and you're speaking in English. That's why they categorize you like you're also a Westerner. Also a Westerner. Dabo's comment reflects the constant criticism these artists face for the language they use, the style of their music, the way they dress. Part of the problem is a question of who are you trying to reach? Hip-hop artists want to speak to their community, but they may also want to build an audience beyond the limitations of Kano, and that can create tension. Here's Mr. Bash. Basically, house of hip-hop music is a positive music. House of community is a community that is being guided by culture and religion. Those two things are the two the major drivers of the entire society. Yes, I'm in the north, I do songs in Hausa, but still I have fans in Jamaica, I have fans in Barbados, I have fans in UK, I have fans in Australia. You must not just concentrate in Kano alone. Kano alone cannot give you everything. For instance, if Kano is paying an artist 50000 definitely in Abuja, an artist will pay 250000 So you have to think of how to do something for the Abuja people. If I like, I can do a whole song in Hausa. If I like, I can do a whole song in English. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But as for the obscenity common in a lot of hip-hop, Mr. Bash has no issue with the censors there. We just have to keep our songs positive in the sense that we all know where we are coming from. We know how to satisfy them best. The fact that we'll be like incorporating foul words into our song is not us. Using F word is not us. One of the things that I think is holding all of us back is religion. A lot of people have a perception. They watch music videos in the US and they see naked women, you know, well, half naked. Yeah, they're half naked. Yeah, you know. A lot of people have that negative view towards hip hop. You know, they've got the rappers promoting their drugs, smoking on music videos. So they feel that we're going to do the same thing. So before we even start doing it, they should just block us. Nina Kali Gumbadiga is Sarkin Kapia. Gaskia, Akoi, Abunda, Nikus, Magaskia, Adina. What he's talking about is interpretation. It's not that religion is not letting you say what you want to say. Our religion, Islam, also gives us the right to self expression. You can say what's in your mind, but we avoid saying some things because other Muslims might interpret it in the wrong way and might, you know, end up seeing you in the wrong light. So that's the reason why sometimes he will start writing lyrics 
then he'll think to himself, wait, hold up, you know, tradition and religion are going to be a big problem to me because those are the things that people are going to use to misinterpret, you know, what I'm saying. Religion is not really a big deal. And he's done a freestyle where he uses lyrics to promote religious values to young people. We have actually managed to break the barrier, break the ice. For example, now, uh, I have a program, Vibe Zone, on Rahama Radio. And Ricky Ultra also has a program, Power Jams, on Ray Power. And Hassan does his program, Kano Music Express, here on Freedom Radio. Mr. Bash has his program, an uh, Ario Exclusive, on Radio Kano. Then we have Nomis G who has a TV program with Ariel 24 TV channel and Top 10 Countdown. And we have Billy O. He has a program with Dala FM. Dala Radio, Songwang FM, 88.5, Kano, Kano, TYG. On the other hand, there are no record labels to support these artists. And even if there were, piracy and corruption in the marketplace make it very hard to profit from recordings so, as in so many places, it's all about live shows, and those are hard to stage in Kano. Big shows can happen around festival seasons and sometimes in the new town, what they call Sabongari. In colonial times, this was a British enclave outside the city walls, but as the city's expanded, it's become a kind of a forbidden zone within the city. Professor Adamu put it like this. Sabongari. Sabongari means new town. That's a settler colony for those who are non-Muslim. And that's where the action is. You want alcohol? That's where you get it. You want girls? That's where you get it. You want boys? That's where you get them. And Sabongari has always been a place where you can lay your hair down. But Mahizba police used to go there and conduct raids once in a while. Uh, they seize alcohol, you know, smash the bottles. So in the morning you get a lot of drunken rats in the gutter. <laughs> oh yeah. To this day, Nomus G and others stage big shows in Sabangari. But to put on a show in Kano proper, you need the permission of the religious police, the Hizba. That's the approach Dr. Pure has used. I've got a big advantage. Being an OIA personality, I go to Hizba, and one of the things that I pitch towards them is I've been presenting a radio program promoting artists for the last five years, and I've managed to evade NBC, the National Broadcasting Commission, who have even stricter rules than you guys. If I can survive on radio, then I don't see why I won't be able to do an event. Mr. Bash as well has an event that he does every fortnight. With permission. I don't know, you, you got permission from Hizba? <sighs> Hizba don't know about it then. Okay, I don't know if I... The reason why they're not gonna really bother with Mr. Bash's case is because he doesn't expose it to the public. With me, um, when I'm going to do an event, I usually invite a lot of artists, we go on air and we shout, make noise on air. Yes, it's going to go down, join us tomorrow. Do you understand? Whether I like it or not, I have to go to his bar because they're gonna hear me on air advertising my show. Of course, we did hear reports about underground shows being closed down by his bar. But Dr. Pure and others are keen to do things above board. And the level of dialogue between the different factions here is remarkable. On one occasion, we went with Ricky Ultra as well. We sat down with the executive secretary of the censorship board. And what I say to them is, you guys are against social vices, drugs and everything. But the thing is, idleness is the devil's workshop. But if you give us an opportunity, 
then we are going to try our best to get these guys off the streets, into the studio and onto the stage. So if you guys help us out, we'll try our best to help you out as well by promoting what you guys are for. You know, one thing I gotta say is we're all guys in this room. Are there any Lady Hauser rappers? There's, well, they are. There's a we few. Have them. There's a few. There's a girl called Aglegzi. She can't make it this night. She rap very hard. She rap very hard. Looks like a man. Eddie, Eddie Cool. Cool. His younger sister Ella is also a rapper as well. There's a girl, what's her name? Khadija Ablex. Yeah, yeah Mo. But actually, due to the timing, they can't participate. It's too late. There are more stricter rules for ladies than men. When it comes to us, we haven't got problems. When it comes to ladies, they're the ones with problems because you understand, who's going to marry you? You're a rapper. You understand? Even if you get a husband, he's not going to be a decent one because who's going to want to marry a rapper? I've actually met a lot of ladies that have come to me in the radio station and they'll be like, Dr. Pure, I want to be a rapper. And I was like, yeah, rap for me. And like, they would rap flawlessly. But then I'll be like, so why don't you go into the studio? And the first thing that will come out of their mouth is my, my dad will kill me if he finds out. Okay. <clears throat> <clears throat> Game up, we understand we flow up. Right now we're just here, just to make some name. Right now we understand we flow up. You really never know this, but I'm sorry right now I'm gonna flow this. Right now, cause I'm here with my guys, we just looking around, we understand the time now. <laughs> Dr. Pure on Beatbox and Ricky Ultra rapping. You know, one thing that really impressed us is the way these marginalized artists describe Professor Adamu. He's like a father to them, a mentor. Out of all the people in the North, that man is like, uh, shall he's I say, a, he's a, a Samaritan. He's our Samaritan. I have to say that because and I can remember when nobody, nobody believed supported in us. us, nobody supported us. Professor Abdullah. Yeah. Professor Abdullah told me, he said, Dr. Pure, if you don't release an album, you understand, don't bother. The day I got my printed CDs, I put a CD in a jacket, closed it, and the first thing I did was I went and I found Professor Abdullah Demo. And I was like, seven years late, here's my album. I'm the only academician studying rap. Really. The other academicians don't think it is worthwhile studying. I did a lot of work on Nana and then I, I felt that I've reached a certain point where I've done all that they could. Then rap started emerging and naturally, personally, I like rap. So I said, oh, this is cool. Because I live in San Francisco. I mean, uh, UC Berkeley as a Pulbrider and I've seen rap around and I thought this is cool. Kids are doing it. Right now we have a little boy called Little Amir, just 12 years old. And uh, he's, he's a rapper and he's, he's doing a very good job. Dr. Pure has collected music from some 350 hip-hop artists in Kano. Though we had a room full, we barely scratched the surface. In the end, everyone did a little freestyle for us, starting with the youngest, 12-year-old Little Emil. I wanna fly like a bird in the sky up high. Mommy nana miniadua, daddy nana miniadua. Something is telling me different side. Lahi baby bana so a chikibada she. Dominda need a shikigana na pazoda she. Kidakatana da katama maina zoda she. Bayana zana yo akama keda muda she. Wana yayi mota, kama se kay mota, wana yayi gida. He's just kind of saying to flesh. Ah, so many lessons on my table. 
Supanobi game where I'm connecting my cables to the next level. I got no business with the devil. Shai is my ketu. Dollars to go get in Harno Gurzasu. I got my film back in the game like what? Had a skip fun in my ego, you damn racks. I'm a winner, not a winner, so stay back. Before I fling you up with my kung fu smack, got a question, are you a hero or my snack? Crunch like a biscuit, just like that. I don't know what you got, really. I don't know what you got, I can't go and cash a corner and you want a sara. Need a pants, babu, magana, hijabi, kasana, and sanka, mubuta, sabo, and shapi. Kiss, I'm so polite. Anytime a body shine, shine like torchlight. I'm a really cal, that's why they call me pro. Problem. Let's go. Africa kuinchi Africa tema masjing hausa kudinga sauraron Afro pop worldwide daga America nine na ku bello Ibrahim Billy O thanks thanks banning for the deep dive into hausa hip hop Professor Adamu told us that he expects this music to stay underground a while longer there are so many forces aligned against it and then There is this public acceptance of hip hop is not really at a level that we we'll have loved to see. People still see it as American and that is not helped by the fact that some of the hip hop musicians try to sing with an exaggerated American accent. But when they do that you you, you cannot even hear the words. Yeah, yeah, you know, baby, the only thing I'm trying to do, I'm trying to get you, you know, the maybe, what you try to, you, I'm the one, I'm the man. Nobody understands what they are saying. <laughs> But if you can rap like a grandmaster plug and say, a child is born with no state of mind, blind to the ways of mankind. You see words are coming out clearly. But not our rappers here who try to rap in English, you don't understand what they are saying. So people just tune out. <laughs> So much we didn't get to on this program. Visit afropop.org for much more of Hip Deep in Nigeria, including interviews with Kano artists and experts and a mixtape of northern Nigerian music. Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities, the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art, and PRI, Public Radio International affiliate stations around the US. And thank you for supporting your public radio station. Additional funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from Celebrate Brooklyn in Prospect Park. Free concerts featuring distinguished artists from around the world. More info at bricartsmedia.org slash bcbf. And from City Parks Foundation's Summer Stage Festival, presenting free concerts in all five New York boroughs, featuring Mavis Staples, Botola Bonpossina, Daime Arosena, and more. More info at summerstage.org. Thanks to Hip Deep scholars Abdallah Uba Adamu and Carmen McCain 
and our guides in Kano, Mustafa Musti, Salisu Al-Mustafa, and Hassan Mohamed Sharif for their fantastic help. Special thanks also to Nazir Hausawa, a.k.a. Ziriums, and Dr. Pure in Kano. And thanks to Chris Kirkley at Sahel Sounds, the first label to release a compilation of Nanai music. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by Banning Air with help from Sean Barlow. Join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. Our chief audio engineer and co-producer is Michael Jones. Additional engineering by Greg Hartman and Stephanie LeBeau. Banning Air and C.C. Smith edit our website, afropop.org. Our director of new media is Akornefa Achia. And I'm Georges Collinet. PRI Public Radio International